As we continue our New Beginnings Life in the Spirit series, we're going to turn to a message that we've never done in this series before. We've presented this message series so many times, and in past times, three of the five messages had to do with the promise of the Holy Spirit. Well, Pastor Barry covered all three of those messages in his one message a couple weeks ago. So today, we're going to talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, which we find uh, is going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And then next week, we're going to close out the series by talking about what happens when we actually submit to the Holy Spirit's work in our life and how there's a struggle, an ongoing struggle in our lives between our old nature and the nature of the Holy Spirit within us. So that's going to be an important message to close out the series. But if you're new today or maybe you've missed any of the messages in the series, let me just give you a quick recap. Three weeks ago, I kicked off the series by talking about what Jesus had to say about the Holy Spirit and why he came. And we could sum that up by saying Jesus' purpose in teaching his disciples about our connection to God through the Holy Spirit was to bring unity or oneness with God and one another. Jesus offered that teaching at an extremely difficult time. It was the night before he was crucified, and it was a long and extended teaching. We find it in chapter 14 through 17 of the Gospel of John. And what he said there is the Holy Spirit was going to come to be with us. And not just with the 12 disciples who he was talking to at the moment, but with all believers who would ever come to know Jesus through them. That includes us. And what he said was when the Holy Spirit came, he would draw us into unity with God the Father, with Jesus, and with each other. Then a couple weeks ago, Pastor Barry talked about the promise of the Holy Spirit's coming, as well as the Holy Spirit actually coming to 120 believers who were gathered in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost, which was a Jewish holiday or holy day, which we now celebrate as the birthday of the church. Because on that day, those 120 believers filled with the Holy Spirit proclaimed the good news of Jesus, and 3,000 more people believed in Jesus that day and received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and that promise was fulfilled. So last week, Pastor Alex told us about how it's important for us to be filled with the Holy Spirit, not just one time, but on an ongoing basis. If you missed any of those messages, you can find them on the New Life app, or you can go to newlifexn.org and watch them. Today, we're going to turn to the Apostle Paul's instruction about the Holy Spirit to a church in a place called Corinth. Now, the Corinthian church did something which is so easy to have happen. It is they started to focus on the Holy Spirit instead of Jesus. And what they started to do was say, hey, the Holy Spirit is given for my benefit, my blessing, my pleasure. They forgot that the Holy Spirit always points to Jesus, and they forgot that the Holy Spirit's gifts are always given not for our own personal benefit, but to build up the church and to, to actually make Jesus known in the world. So let's look at today's take-home point so we can see why the Holy Spirit is given to us and why he gives us gifts. If you're new and you don't know what the take-home point is, the take-home point is the one point that we'll be making from Scripture that we want to take home and live out in the week ahead. So here it is. The Spirit's gifts are for every believer, so each one can serve everyone. So the gifts are for every, each believer, each of us, so that each of us can serve everyone else. When the Holy Spirit gives you or me a gift, he does it so we can serve each other, not so we can say, hey, look at me. Can you believe what I can do? Because it's easy for that to happen. It was happening in the Corinthian church, and it can happen anywhere when we lose our focus on why the Holy Spirit's gifts are given. 
So before we turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, let's define spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts are supernatural abilities given to us by the Holy Spirit to build up Jesus' body. So if you can jump really high, that is a natural ability. It's given by God, but it's not a spiritual gift. And I can tell you from personal experience, if that's one of your natural abilities, it will go away over time. Trust me. Now, the other thing that people often think are spiritual gifts is whenever you've studied really hard, you've worked really hard, maybe to learn a skill. such as, Let's say cleaning people's teeth as a dental hygienist. That's a skill. It's, not, it's, a, it's a, a developed skill. And God has given you the ability to study, to learn, to work, all of those things. But that's still not a spiritual gift. It's a, it's a skill. So we have natural abilities. We have skills. So what's a spiritual Gift, a spiritual gift is a supernatural ability that's given to us so that we can do something that will build up the body of Jesus, that will advance the cause of Jesus in the world that we could not do just through natural abilities or through developed skills alone. Now, one more thing. In talking about spiritual gifts and defining them, I say that they are given to build up Jesus' body. You might not be familiar with that expression, Jesus' body. Well, the Apostle Paul loved the analogy he, he loved the analogy of calling the church the body of Jesus or the body of Christ. So when you hear the body of Jesus or the body of Christ from this point forward, what you're going to remember is what, what that means is the, the people of God, the church. I mean, the church isn't a building. The church is a group of people. It's also a body, the body of Jesus. So let's turn to 1 Corinthians 12. If you have your Bible or your Bible app, I would encourage you to follow along. You can follow the notes if you go to Uversion. Bible. At the very bottom, there's a little icon that says events. If you click on events, it'll say New Life Christian Ministries. And if you bring that up, it'll give you the scriptures. It'll give you the outline and you can follow along. So before we read the scriptures, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you love us. We thank you so much that you sent Jesus to save us from sin and death. And we thank you that now you have given us the Holy Spirit so that we can have you present in our lives. And as today, as we turn to this discussion of spiritual gifts, I pray, God, that your Holy Spirit will fill us anew and fresh, that, that he will guide and lead us. And so that not only will this be a time when we can learn some information, but we'll Maybe we can even receive a new gift of your spirit so that we can serve your body more faithfully. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So Paul wrote, Now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about the special abilities the Spirit gives us, I don't want you to misunderstand this. You know that when you were still pagans, you were led astray and swept along in worshiping speechless idols. So I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, Paul's audience had been pagans before they came to know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. He meant no disrespect when he called them, you know, idol-worshiping pagans. He was simply stating a fact. Before they had trusted Jesus as Savior and Lord, they had devoted their lives to the worship of pagan idols. So now what Paul tells them is from the moment, from the very moment Jesus becomes Lord and Savior in our lives, the Holy Spirit starts to work. Over the years, people have asked me a very important question. Is there any way to know for sure that I'm really a Christian? Or maybe they've asked it this way. Is there any way to know for sure that I'm saved? Well, Paul told the Corinthian Christians, we can take a simple test. Can you say Jesus is Lord and mean it? 
When we say Jesus is Lord, that means Jesus is our master. He's our owner. So if we can say that and mean it, then we can know that we really are a Christian. We really are following him. We're saved. You know, when Jesus is Lord, it means before we think about our, what our parents think, what our spouse thinks, what our, you know, what our children think, what we think. We ask Jesus, what do you think? So right now, I want you to do this. Right now, as you're sitting there listening and watching, if you would just say this, Jesus is Lord. Say it to yourself. Do you mean that when you say Jesus is Lord? Because if you mean it, then you actually are a Christian and the Holy Spirit is already in your life. He's giving you the ability to say that and mean it. So next, Paul reminds us something about God's nature. Remember when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we're talking about God. And what Paul is going to do for those Corinthian believers, remember they were pagans by background, so he's going to give them a little instruction. He's going to show them that God is one God, but three persons. You see, he's going to tell us that God is Father, God is Son, Jesus, and God is the Holy Spirit. He reveals himself in that way. Look at, let's look at how Paul put it. He said it this way. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. So do you see it? He said, first of all, the Holy Spirit gives us gifts. Then Jesus gives us works of service to do. He's Lord. Then we have God the Father who works in us, and he actually works in all of us. And, you know, when we start to think about God as Father, Son, Holy Spirit, how can there be one God, three persons? It's a hard thing to understand. You know, Pastor Alex gave us a good illustration from, from uh, his experience in last week's message. I'd encourage you to look that up. But really, this is what Paul was saying. When God is in us, he gives us gifts, service, and work to do. Many people think that they have to work, do something for God to come into their lives. But the reality is the opposite. God works in us once he's present in our lives. He comes in and then he starts to do work in us. And that would have been a tremendous comfort for those pagan worshiping or those worship, idol worshiping pagans. It's a hard thing to get get straight. Those idol worshiping pagans who had now become believers because they had been led to believe as idol worshipers that they had to offer sacrifices, they had to say certain prayers, they had to do all these things to please that God so that God would do something for them. But what Paul told them and what he's telling us is when God comes into our life, when Jesus becomes Savior and Lord and the Holy Spirit is there, he starts to work inside of us. And the reason we receive these gifts is so we can do his work. So offering that background about who God is and what he does through the Holy Spirit, Paul moves on to the actual work of the Holy Spirit, what the, what the Holy Spirit's gifts are, and what they do in our lives. So here is what he says. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another and to someone else. The one Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles, another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to, to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. 
So before we talk about all these gifts, let's acknowledge something that I brought up in the very first message of this series. There are two radically different understandings of the Holy Spirit's work in churches today. On the one hand, there are those who believe that all those gifts that we just mentioned are still available to all of us today, and they're active in in the church today. And then there are those who say, no, they're not. Those gifts ended and ceased at the end of what they call the age of the Spirit or the dispensation of the Spirit. Here at New Life, we believe these gifts are still available. And the reason we believe that is because we believe that God never changes. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8, we read this. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if Jesus, God the Father, and the Holy Spirit are the same yesterday and forever, uh, if they're always the same, then that means that those gifts that were available 2,000 years ago are still available today. So let's look at what Paul said about the spiritual gifts. First, Paul said that each of us receives a spiritual gift to help others. We don't receive the spiritual gifts, as I've already said, so that we can look at ourselves or we can have everybody say, hey, look at us, look at what we can do. We receive them to help each other. Many have divided the spiritual gifts into two main groups, the revelation um, gifts and the sign gifts. So that means that some spiritual gifts are given to reveal God more fully to us and some are given to demonstrate God's power. Paul identified six revelation gifts. They are wisdom, knowledge, prophecy, discernment, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. Now we could devote an entire series just to what I just said there, right? Six messages, one for each of those gifts. But the Holy Spirit gives those gifts to individuals within the church to build up the Holy Spirit the whole church. For example, let's talk about the the word of knowledge. So a word of knowledge is actually a piece of information that the Holy Spirit gives to us about someone or about the whole church that we we don't know. We didn't know it ahead of time. And the reason that that word of knowledge is given is to convict somebody of sin or to help somebody in a time of need who has a desperate question that they need an answer to. It's given to encourage the person or to help the person in some way. So that's how the gift of knowledge can be used. The gift of tongues can be used to strengthen a person inside of that person, or it can be used to help a person who doesn't know a specific language to speak to a person in that other language or in in a means by which that other person can understand. That actually happened to me back in 1998 when I was in China. Now, I've told this story before, but the gist of it is simply this. I thought God was telling me to pray for a man who was, he was a lame beggar. He was along the street and he was, he was praying and he was asking for money uh, because he, you know, he couldn't walk. And, and I had a sense that the Holy Spirit was telling me to pray for him to be healed so that he could walk. So I walked over and I, and I said to him, do you speak English? And he looked back at me in a blank way that told me he didn't speak English. And there were a number of other people there. Some of them seemed to be not having any handicap. Other ones did have handicaps. And I just looked at the group and I said, do any of you speak English? And the way they looked at me, I knew that none of them, you know, I was speaking a foreign language. So I just started praying for the man. I laid hands on him. I started praying for the man in English. And after I prayed for him in English, nothing had happened. So I I said to him, look. I'm going to pray to you 
in a language that I don't understand and that you might not understand, and I'm going to ask God to heal you. Now, I could have wasted a little bit of time there, right? Because he didn't understand anything I'd said to that point, so why was I telling him this? But anyway, so what happened was I laid hands on him again, and there was a young woman from our group with me. She laid her hand on me, and I started praying in tongues. And as I started praying in tongues, I felt the power of the Holy Spirit come through the young woman that was with me, through me, into the man. And I, when I looked at the man, he had the hugest smile on his face. It was amazing. And the thing was, he still couldn't walk. He, he, he didn't move, but he had this huge smile. And I thought we had failed completely. I couldn't communicate, so I didn't know why he was smiling. It didn't make sense to me that he was smiling, but I walked away really dejected. I was really upset. And so was the, the young woman that we, because we thought God, we both had felt something. We thought God had done something. So we go back to the hotel and we told Uber and Jeffrey, who were two Singaporeans who were in the group who spoke Chinese. And so they go back to find this man. And when they find him, what he said was that there was a tall American and a young woman who had prayed for him. And while we prayed, he said that he had accepted Jesus as his savior and Lord. Is that incredible? <laughs> but that's why revelation gifts are given. So that the person who receives that gift can be benefited and blessed. And he was certainly benefited and blessed. Now the thing is, I thought I was going to be used by God to perform a sign gift that day. I mean, I was praying for the guy to be healed, right? And Paul tells us there are three sign gifts. Faith, healing, and miracles. And they're called sign gifts because when we exercise them, there's a visible, tangible sign that God has been at work. And so a healing miracle, for example, that's a sign gift. Whenever, whenever there's some other kind of miracle, a miracle of provision, like when Jesus, you know, provided food for 5,000 people with a couple of loaves of bread, that's a sign gift because everybody knows God has shown up. Now, the guy couldn't walk after I prayed for him but he knew Jesus. Now, Jeffrey and, and Hubert talked with the man, and after they talked with him, they also prayed for this other woman who has, had been deaf. She couldn't hear, and she hadn't heard for a really long time, and they prayed for God to take away her deafness, to heal her, and instantly she was able to hear. So um, that's, a, that's a sign gift. That's healing. She took it as a sign that our God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, is the one true and living God because she had been praying to another God, really an idol, for the past 25 or 30 years and nothing had ever happened and now she was healed. Now I know that account raises a lot of questions, right? How about this one? Why didn't God heal the man? I mean, he healed the woman. Why didn't he heal the man? I mean, he did give the man salvation, which ultimately is a better gift than physical healing, but why wasn't he healed? Why is it that we don't see miracles? And, and uh, you know, why don't we see great faith? Why don't we see healing miracles on a regular basis? Why are they so rare? And, and once we receive a spiritual gift, this is another question, do we get to keep the spiritual gift for the rest of our lives or do those gifts... You know, are they come and go at the, at the, at the, at the desire of the, of the Holy Spirit? And what about this? Whenever we hear somebody praying in tongues, are they really praying in tongues or are they just babbling? I've struggled with those questions and dozens more concerning the gifts of the Holy Spirit for about 47 years. It's coming up on 47 years. The struggle started when our pastor, Andy Wygant, and I visited my brother Ken in the hospital and Andy prayed for Ken to be healed. His his, he had had the cornea of his eye torn at basketball practice, and Andy prayed for him, and Ken was healed. 
when that happened, my eyes were, my eyes were opened to the reality that 1 Corinthians 12 was true for now. And all the book of Acts was true for now. And soon after that, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. And, and for all of these years, I have seen many times when God has used the spiritual gifts of people to produce miracles and healing. But I've also seen many times when the miracle that somebody wanted wasn't given. When, when the gift that somebody wanted wasn't received. So, um, here's the question. How do we reconcile the reality that sometimes the Holy Spirit works and sometimes he doesn't? How about this? The Holy Spirit always works. Sometimes he works the way we want him to and sometimes he doesn't. I believe that the Holy Spirit is at work right now, even in this moment, speaking to you through me and, and maybe speaking to you despite me to work that which will do two things, build you up or advance the cause of Jesus Christ because God wants everybody to know Jesus. So in the next section of 1 Corinthians 12, Paul offered the illustration of the church as the body of Jesus Christ. He says it's a body with many parts. Let's take a look. It says the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves and some are free. But we have all been baptized into the one body by one spirit and we all share the same spirit. Jesus' body is diverse. In Paul's day, it included Jews and Gentiles. It included slaves and free people, old and young. It included people of various different kinds. But as Paul pointed out, that diversity is brought together in unity because the Holy Spirit brings us together. And that's really what Jesus was talking about in John 14 to 17, the message we talked about first in this series, that Jesus sends the Holy Spirit to bring us into oneness with him, with his heavenly Father, and with each other. Next, Paul pointed out what it means to live out our diversity as the body of Jesus Christ in unity. Here's what he said. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I am not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I am not part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell something? Apparently, the Corinthian believers had a trouble coming together in unity. Interesting, but... We have that same trouble today, don't we? Sometimes it's not easy to come together as a body of believers together. But Paul reminded those believers and he reminds us, we don't get to choose who's in the body. Jesus chooses our brothers and sisters for us. He chooses the ones who will be there for us to love and to live together in unity. And the Spirit gives us gifts so we can do that. And maybe your gift's different than mine. It certainly will be. But my gift's not better than yours or yours better than mine or I can't be excluded because I don't have you, your gift and you can't be excluded because you don't have my gift. In fact, Paul concludes his illustration by pointing out that a body is only a body because it has many different parts. I mean, what a ridiculous body it would be if there was only one part. That's what he says. Let's look how he puts it. He says, but our bodies have many parts and God has put each part where, just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it had only one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. 
So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen, while the more honorable parts do not require this special care. So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. What a powerful picture. God has called us together. And whether we think of ourselves as worthy or unworthy, important or not important, what Paul says is every single one of us matters. And he tells us, you know, when one of us is suffering, we all suffer. We all feel that suffering. When one of us is honored, we're all glad about that. We all rejoice. Look around right now. Maybe you're at home by yourself, but if you have even one other person with you, look at that person. And I want you to ask yourself something. Do I see him or her as part of my body, as part of the body of Jesus Christ? Because to the degree that we can see that, to the degree that I see you as another part of the bigger body of Jesus Christ that I'm called to love and serve and to use my gifts to love and serve, to the degree that I do that, to the degree that you do that, is the degree to which we are truly the body of Jesus Christ. After all that, Paul summarized the way the spiritual gifts work. He says this, All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is part of it. Here are some of the parts God has appointed for the church. First are apostles, second are prophets, third are teachers, then those who do miracles. Those who have the gift of healing, those who can help others, those who have the gift of leadership, those who speak in unknown languages. Are we all apostles? Are we all prophets? Are we all teachers? Do we all have the power to do miracles? Do we all have the gift of healing? Do we all have the ability to speak in unknown languages? Do we all have the ability to interpret unknown languages? Of course not. So you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. Paul relisted the gifts and he seems to rank them, you know, first, second, third. But remember his illustration? There's no more important or less important gift. There are seemingly some gifts that are more helpful. And he says to pray for the more helpful gifts. As you and I grow and as we exercise our gifts together, we are the body of Jesus Christ. And two things happen. God is glorified and the body grows stronger and more healthy. And maybe even people that are on the outside want to be part of it, right? And we, who are known as the body of, of Jesus Christ as New Life Christian Ministries, don't point to ourselves. We don't, we don't say, hey, look at us. We do all those things that we just heard about. We use those gifts together. We suffer together. We celebrate together so that we can say, hey, everybody, look at Jesus. Look at who he is. Paul said that we're supposed to desire the, the what did he call it? He called it the most helpful gifts. So as you pray for your spiritual gifts, and maybe you already know what your spiritual gifts are. Maybe you don't. And sometimes it's helpful to take a spiritual gift inventory. But what I think is this. As we pray through the list, we'll realize, oh, I have this gift. I have that gift. Or maybe what we'll realize is, I don't have this gift, but I really think it would be helpful to the body. Not just for me, but for the body if I had it. And so we can pray for the Holy Spirit to give that gift to us. You see, the funny thing is, Paul goes on for two more chapters talking about spiritual gifts. In chapter 13, which is often called the love gift. He says the greatest spiritual gift is the gift of love. Interesting because he didn't even mention that gift in 1 Corinthians 12, which shows us that 1 Corinthians 12 is not an exhaustive list of the gifts. It's just a, a, gift, a list of gifts that we can have. But the most important one, Paul says, is love. And then in chapter 14, he talks about two gifts, 
prophecy and tongues. And he says, you know what? The gift of prophecy is much more beneficial for the whole body, while the gift of tongues is really beneficial for the individual. And now, even though all the gifts are given to build up the whole body, if I have the gift of tongues, for example, which I happen to, it builds me up so that I have more strength to serve in the body. As long as we see it that way, it's very helpful. So remember, the gifts are given to build up the body of Jesus and to point to Jesus. If you are ready to be part of that body or you are part of that body and you want to do it more effectively, then here's the next step for us. It says this, I will use my spiritual gift or gifts to serve where I live, work, learn, and play this week. To do that, first of all, we need to know what our gift or gifts are, right? So we can, as I said, take a spiritual gift inventory. But I'm, I believe more and more that if we simply lean into God and we simply ask him, God, what gift do you want to give me so I can serve you most faithfully? He'll show us and he will give us that gift. Each of you and I are given a gift for the common good to build up the body of Jesus Christ. And right now, the Holy Spirit is more than ready to give us a gift or to continue using those gifts in us to build up his body. All we have to do is submit ourselves to him. Before we can submit ourselves to the Holy Spirit, we first have to submit ourselves to Jesus as Savior and Lord. Here at New Life, one of the things that we emphasize every single week, if you've been watching us for more than a week, you've heard us say this, that following Jesus as Savior and Lord, Savior means rescuer from sin and death, Lord means owner, is simple, but it's not easy. It's as simple as ABC. A means we admit that we're sinners. B means that we believe in Jesus believe not just about Jesus, that he was a historical figure, but trust him as Savior, that he rescued us from sin and death, and Lord, which means he is our owner or master. And then C is we confess our sins to God. We don't just admit them to ourselves. And we confess to other people that Jesus is now our owner. We're under new management, if you will. And when we do that, what happens is we receive all of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But then the other thing that can happen, and this is really important, and we've been talking about this now for several weeks. This is a, the fourth week of this series. Pastor Barry said we can be baptized in the Holy Spirit, and Pastor Alex told us about being filled with the Holy Spirit. So first we get, number one, we get into a relationship with God. Jesus called it being born again by, by admitting, believing, and confessing. And then once that happens, the Holy Spirit is part of our life, but there's an, more of the Holy Spirit available to us through baptism in the Holy Spirit and through filling. And so right now, we're going to pray. And if you need to trust Jesus as Savior and Lord, pray that with me. If you're ready for a deeper experience of the Holy Spirit, you want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, which means that you'll receive, you know, this one-time experience. Maybe it's often accompanied by tongues. It's often accompanied by some spiritual gift being evident. Um, or maybe that's already been something you've done, but you just feel a little empty today. And maybe you remember Pastor Alex talking last week about being filled over and over and over again and, and how the Holy Spirit doesn't leak, but we do. And so you want a refreshment of the Holy Spirit. You can do that right now. So pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much, first of all, that you are the living God of the universe, that you love us. And we, when we rejected you, you didn't reject us. You sent your son Jesus into the world to live a perfect life and to die on our behalf. And now you have sent your Holy Spirit to all who believe. And we have the opportunity to live as part of your body, as part of your church, as part of this community of believers and fellowship. God, right now I pray for anyone who's listening, watching, 
who has not yet trusted Jesus as Savior and Lord, not yet received that gift of being born again, right now I pray that they will admit to you. And, and, and if I were them, I would say, Lord, I admit to you I'm a sinner. I believe that Jesus is Lord, Savior. I believe he's your son. I believe that he died to forgive my sins. And I confess to you, God, that I, I am a sinner and, 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 and here are my sins that I lay before you. And now I ask you to wash them away and give me that new life. And God, for all of us, if we've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit right now, I simply ask that we would pray, God, come in and baptize me with your Holy Spirit. Fill me over to overflowing. And I'm, and I'm already moving, God, to that second part of the prayer because I've been baptized with the Holy Spirit, but I want to be filled new and fresh. And God, for all of us right now, either baptize us with your Spirit, fill us with your Holy Spirit. Let us be anointed new and fresh so that we can, not so that we can say, look at me, but so that we can be a more effective part of your body, so that we can encourage others, so that we can offer the gift of healing or so that we can have great faith, so that we can walk where other people won't walk, so that we can have a word of knowledge. So whatever it is, the gift that you want to give us right now, that you would give it to us. And God, I praise you that you are working even right now as I am praying because you have promised that you will when we seek, that, that we'll find, that when we knock, you'll open the door. When we ask, it will be given to us. And in your word, in the gospel of Luke, you say that you will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. And so we ask one final time, God, baptize us, fill us, use us, glorify yourself in us. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, I thank you for joining us today. And I, and I pray that you'll have a great week. And that whatever gift it is that God has entrusted to you through his Holy Spirit, that you will use it to build up the body of Jesus Christ, his church. Have a blessed week.